Hey friends, welcome to It's All In My Head, where I talk to people about their experiences with mental health in a real, raw, and vulnerable way. I'm here to share stories that connect us to others in the way that mental health shows up for us, the challenges that we face, the stuff that gets us through, and perhaps most importantly, how we remain resilient. I'm your host, Joel Kaskinen. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to It's All in My Head. I am sitting here with my very good friend, Sarah Lemansky. I don't know why I just said your name, but... (laughs) Because it's beautiful. That's true. That's true. Um, Yeah, I'm sitting here with my very, very good friend, Sarah, and I can't wait to uh, engage in this conversation today. Um, We've got some really good things to talk about, but Sarah and I have actually only known each other for a couple of months, but we have immediately connected on like so many deep levels. Um, We have such similar mental health stories and experiences, and we just immediately clicked on an otherworldly level. And I consider her one of my best friends today. So really, really thrilled to be having this conversation. So Sarah, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and sharing (laughs) a little bit about yourself, and then I will kick us off with all of the nitty gritty mental health stuff. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I my name is Sarah. I grew up in the Midwest, similar to Joel. Um, I'm from like the Chicagoland area. Um, I didn't really know what mental health was until I was, I'm gonna say like 16, and even then. I was constantly rejecting the fact that I had something wrong with me, quote unquote wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, that's what it was back then. Like when we were talking about mental health and we had that kind of little conversation, like that's, it was always a negative thing in my family. Um, I don't know if anybody else has that um, issue, but then it didn't, like, I didn't get diagnosed with anything because I was rejecting it so hard. And every time I went to the doctor, I'd answer it to a T what I thought they wanted to know. So I knew I, like, then I knew I wouldn't be labeled as, you know, anything and um, quote unquote normal. And uh, didn't get diagnosed specifically until I was 21. Um, and I'm 26 right now, or almost 26 right now. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just been like a rocky road since I've been diagnosed because I'm trying to actually understand and figure out and realize certain things that I have been doing and I was doing that that is my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I'm trying to still figure out. And it's just, it's crazy that it's such a, it's not normal to talk about, you know, it's like a taboo thing. So I'm ecstatic that you have this podcast for people to like look at and have a reference point and know it's not a negative thing to talk about. Yeah. 
for sure. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for sharing and getting vulnerable right away. Um, I'm just going to, yeah, for sure. For sure. Exactly. That's, I think why we connected so, so quickly is because both of us are like, let's talk about everything. Like let's share our life story and just get get so deep. Yeah. We're both crazy like that. This scar in my head is from X charm. (laughs) Just a heads up. Yeah. So, um, my, really the only structured question that I ask in, um, these interviews, um, is what is your mental health relationship? Um, what's what's your relationship with mental health and what does that look like today? And you kind of just answered that, um, a little bit in your intro, but I want to get into a couple of things further. Um, if you don't mind sharing what have you been diagnosed with? You talked about mm-hmm. some diagnoses. And so what kinds of things do you live with? And where does that put you today with your mental health journey uh, and your relationship to it? Yeah, definitely. I was diagnosed uh, when I was 21 with uh, bipolar one disorder, uh, social anxiety. And back then I had, uh, they thought I had seasonal depression. Um now, my last time I was in outpatient, I was um, diagnosed with bipolar one. So that's common, like my common thread, um, social anxiety and um, PTSD and night terrors. Um, so like all of that is what put me where I was. Um because we were talking about like watching somebody that you know pass away mm-hmm. or seeing the after effects or um, like I witnessed my ex trying to take his own life. And that's where I got my PTSD from. Yeah. Um, and I know you have your thoughts with it as well. Mm-hmm. And it, that's how that's one of the things that we connected on. Is yeah, absolutely. <laughs> those kind of, it just, it's really hard. And, you know, I was just talking about it before we got live um, that I'm, I've been single for almost three years. And that's a big thing of why I want to, you know, I'm staying single is I yeah. need to get over that. PTSD is like a real thing. Even if you're not in a war, it's not like a war-based illness. There are people every day mm-hmm. that run into something and it just changes their mentality. It changes their mind. And um, that's, it's just really hard to go through, especially when you trust the person that you go through it with. Yeah. Um, Cause then your trust is also shattered as well. Um, I don't know if that answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it answered it perfectly. Um, so yeah, you uh, bipolar, one PTSD, you know, night terrors, um, social anxiety, you know, obviously all of those things are pretty normal. I think a lot of people experience that. And I think especially what you just said about PTSD, it's not a war-based illness and people endure it every day and people experience it every day. And it can be the result of loss. It can be the result of grief. It can be the result of a car accident or it, I mean, literally anything. Like, mm-hmm. there are so many things that are traumatic for someone to experience. I mean, right now it's April. It's Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And, like, so many people that I know and you know who have been touched by 
sexual assault or a rape or any sort of mm-hmm. sexual misconduct of sorts, you know, they've experienced that and they live with that. That's traumatic. Like, of course, those people have PTSD and their friends have PTSD from hearing those stories. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, PTSD runs the gamut, you know. It really um, <laughs> And so I think all of these illnesses, disorders, diseases, whatever you want to classify them as, I think all of them are so normal. They're so... I hate using that word, but like, I know I, that's I mean, why like, I'm like, quote unquote, normal every time yeah, I say it, because you can't see my air. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Though, But like so many people live with these experiences. So we need to be talking about it. And, you know, that's again, that's why I started this podcast is to really normalize talking about your experiences and the issues and the problems and the challenges that you face every day. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. What does bipolar look like for you? How does that take shape in your life? Oh man, this one's a, I mean, it's not a hard question to answer at all. It's just a question that I avoid myself even sure. answering. You know what I mean? Um, <coughs> sorry, this allergy season's coming. Oh no, it's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> um, I guess for me, there's when I was younger, when I didn't know what it was and what I was feeling and, and that I would be irrational all the time. And I'd flip a switch immediately. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how or why my body and my mind was triggering it. And I had no idea, like looking back on it, um, like I used to like my mom used to tell me to do something and then I wouldn't do it. And I'd get mad at her for getting mad at me immediately, <laughs> immediately. And I'm like, that's not, no, I, I don't have time to do that. And even though I'm sure. just sitting on the couch watching TV, I'm like, shut the fuck, you know, I could just swearing and just like going off and just being like irrational and irate almost. And um, a lot of times I thought I had anger issues because of how fast and how like consuming the rage was Mm -hmm. and how fast you just see black and like it just kind of it just takes a hold of you and it like it's hard to flip back to quote unquote your normal everyday you know um mode if you were to say um and then, you know, I'd be in super, super low lows where I would be crying for no reason. And I would just be, you know, in my in my bed, um, not really doing anything for days on end. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't get exercise or I didn't get, you know, the sun or any kind of um, help like that, like an external factor helping me, um, I would just like completely shut. I mean, I still do. I completely shut down um, and I'll just be in bed. And I'll just be laying there, not really doing anything, not really moving. I like, um, there's this episode. I don't know if you watch Euphoria at all. Um, it's an HBO show and uh, she, the main character, I think, do not quote me on this. I think she has bipolar one as well. Um, there's an episode where she's laying in bed and she's talking about how low she is right now. And um, I think it really hit the nail on the head when she was saying, like, because she's, like, narrating, basically, this whole time. Um, I'm on episode 50 of 
like love on like island love or whatever the, the show that she was watching <laughs> and uh, um I've had to go to the bathroom like four episodes ago, but I won't leave my bed until my bladder starts hurting and my whole body is like aching. And I, but I won't leave my bed until that happens to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I do that all the damn yeah. time because yeah. I don't want to move. I'm so in my little hole. I just want to keep watching my goddamn show and I don't have to, I don't want to worry about that. Yep. You know, definitely. So, um, so like my bipolar disorder is very, um, a lot of low lows, a lot of high highs. Like I, I'll be like, Oh, you know, like, like right now. Um, I mean, it's not cause I have been thinking about for a while for moving, but when I initially got hurt, it was like, like I started applying for jobs, even though I know I can't. Right. I so started, you jumped into it because it was an exciting, uh, like, uh, opportunity for you. Yeah. And it's just like euphoric feeling, like you're like, yes, I'm on top of the world. Like I could do whatever I want. I'm just gonna apply to like all of these really high up jobs that I am not qualified for at all. I'm like, ah, oh, but I can do that. Like I'm like, I'm like. Looking back, I'm like, thank God no one said yes to any of my goddamn effort. Because I'm like, I'm literally applying for stupid positions, like, way up there in management. And I wouldn't know how to even start that job. So my dumbass is, like, I'm... <laughs> there's anyone listening to any of my, like, that has read any of my applications, I thank you. Thank you for not choosing an idiot. <laughs> You're very wise. <laughs> but I think that just goes to show that mental health is so all-consuming and all-encompassing that, like, on your high highs, the days that you do feel good, you feel really good. Oh, and yeah. you're going to put yourself out there because you're feeling confident and great. And on the days that you don't feel that, you don't want to see anyone. You don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want to leave bed. You don't even want to get up to go to the bathroom. I mean, we've both been there. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I, I totally feel you. Have you ever had those days, just out of curiosity? I know this is supposed to be you interviewing me. Oh, whatever. God, no. It's You can flip the script <laughs> on me. Absolutely. Have you ever had those days where you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to buy everything that I could just put in the oven so then I don't have to really make food, but I'm technically making food in the oven and I don't have to see anybody at that store or <laughs> in the world for the next however many fucking TV dinners I grab. <laughs> do you ever do that? No, I don't do that. Um, but I will do, I guess I do something similar. I don't, I don't do a lot of like TV dinners. Um, yeah. Like I love to cook and I love to also just like veg and like eat just trash, but I don't, I've never really liked TV dinners. So I am a huge snacker though. So I will go and I'll get, all of the veggie straws and all of the like fixings to make a charcuterie board and like oh, yeah. pounds on pounds of cheese. And I will, and like boxes of crackers. I'm like such a snacker that like, I will just bring it all into bed with me and I'll just like lay there munching. Like, <laughs> like sometimes when you're there, like when you're eating, you're like, why am I so fat? Why? Well, you're not you. You're just thin as a board. I'm like, the, but I feel fat all the time. So. I was like, why am I so fat? I'm just going to keep eating. I'm going to cry. Uh -huh. like, I don't want to see him. Like, don't look at me. You're like crying into your band of trail mix while you're watching <laughs> The Real Housewives. You're like. <laughs> oh my God. That is so true though. It's so 
<laughs> she like finishing off the bucket of red vines like <laughs> uh, red vines are okay the the natural ones I, I, not gonna lie that's one of the coupons that always comes through on my kroger is is that 30 cents off of my natural red vines oh my gosh i love it that's so funny and i still use it i still use that coupon every time i see it i'm like the best I fucking hate red vines, actually, but really? uh, yeah, but that, they're <laughs> such a like easy thing to eat when you're just like feeling lousy, yeah. though. Twizzlers or red vines? Twi- I like Twizzlers better. I like Twizzlers better, but I do like the natural flavor of red of vines, red vines mm-hmm. a lot sure, more. Sure, sure. Like that's definitely. I don't really to. like either, but again, they're just one of those like easy things to snack on that exactly. you're like, it doesn't even matter that this thing tastes like absolute garbage. I'm gonna fucking um, shit eat <laughs> this for days. <laughs> hey, that's my go-to <laughs> travel snack, though. Twizzlers and trail mix, yes. mine too, absolutely. Yes. Some gorp. Oh good old gosh. penis and raisin or raisin <laughs> that's so funny i haven't heard it called that in years it's such a midwestern thing it is. oh my gosh it's so awesome <laughs> i love it are you uh cheetos or doritos <laughs> um honestly if you had to pick i don't really eat a ton of either um okay when it comes to cheetos i like the Flamin' Hot, not the Flamin' Hot, the Jalapeno Cheddar what? Cheetos. Um, oh, is that I, that natural one? No, they're not natural at all. They're like fake as <laughs> you can possibly get. Um, but yeah, they're cheese on the it. the Jalapeno Cheddar Cheetos. Okay. I like those ones. I I don't really like the Flamin' Hot, and I don't really like the like regular. Mm. And then Doritos, I have to be in a mood for them, mm-hmm. and I'm not. I don't like just eat them plain. I like to do <laughs> I like how you say this I don't just eat them plain I don't listen to this <laughs> I because I'm such a cheese person because Midwestern and so I spread cheese. spread cheese on my Doritos and I nachos. like eat them as like nachos <laughs> they're nacho cheese they're already flavored I know but I add more cheese to it because I'm a psycho Oh my god. Okay, sorry. We got on topic. That's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I also have. See, this is ADHD. That's what I have. Yeah, because you jumping back and forth yesterday. That was you all day long. Um, yeah, don't feel Okay, so drink. let's let's get back into <laughs> mental health yes. stuff. I wanted to like go all the way back to the beginning when you first started talking about um, mental health being stigmatized and how you like you really kind of rejected it for so long. When I ask about your relationship to mental health, you said it started pretty young, but you rejected it. Mm -hmm. So when did you start to like notice like exhibiting symptoms of mental health challenges? Like when was that for you? Was it like middle school, high school? Was it before that? Um, I was tested in the third grade. Holy Toledo. Yeah. (laughs) Tested for what? Um, ADHD. Okay. Um, my mom kept getting phone calls from the teacher, um, because I would constantly be getting up in the middle of class. (laughs) I'm dead serious. (laughs) This is a true, this is a true story. (laughs) I would, oh, this is so embarrassing to say. Anyone that was in my third grade class probably thought I was crazy. Because not only that, 
but I also just moved to that town. So it was my first year in that school. Yep. In that school. And, um, I don't know if I did it before that, but I would constantly be hitting up to get tissues, Kleenex. Okay. Never, never used them. What did you do with that? I put them in my pocket. What? Oh my god, it's so embarrassing to say. It, yeah. So you literally just got up in the middle of class, walked over, got tissues, put them in your pocket, and tissues. walked one tissue at, at a, a time, time, and put it in your pocket, walked back to your like desk. Yep. And then every okay. once in a while, I'll use them, just so then they know, like, oh, I actually need them at some point, even though I never use, like, nothing would come out. Oh but gosh. I would make a sound that sounded like it was coming out, but it... That's the sound I made. Oh my I, god. I'm so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah, That's no. hilarious. So I was tested when I was in third grade and um, I knew exactly what I was getting tested for. So I answered everything. Because um, how you knew that they wanted you to answer. Mm -hmm. That you should, I don't know, how you shouldn't answer. Like you faked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, no, I don't know what my mom's talking about. I don't, I don't do that. I don't know what the teachers are talking about. They, no, you know, I I don't fidget. I I I was standing like I was sitting straight as a board. I oh made my sure gosh. my fingers were on my lap. I didn't want to be ostracized at this person that has this you know thing wrong, quote unquote wrong, wrong with yeah. me. Um, because back then it was so stigmatized. Sure, sure. Um, and in the Midwest, I, it's still pretty stigmatized. Oh man, my dad mm -mm, won't right. talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And then he'll he will text me to call my little brother to make sure he's doing all right. You know, mentally. What? Oh my yeah. gosh, wild. And I'm like, okay, okay. I didn't know I was the poster child in this family for mental health, but I will. Take it. <laughs> I will talk to my little brother. That's yeah. totally fine. And then my dad will tell my older brother to call me to check in on me. Interesting. Yeah. In that aspect. Like, my dad and I talk every other day, but we don't necessarily talk about, like, the nitty-gritty sure. of how you're doing. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you just blanket it. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing just fine. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing, doing good. Doing good. Cool. You know what I mean? Like one of the, that's just how it is. Yeah, though. that's mm -hmm. the normal greeting. Um, even if you're not doing okay, you would still answer as if you are. Yeah, I hold it in. I hold it in. And um, there was a point last year <clears throat> where I almost went back in um, and checked myself in because I realized how low I was getting, mm -hmm. and I was getting to a point where it just like. Like we said earlier, I just didn't want to get out of bed. And it was like, I still worked. I, you know, it's not not saying that when you have mental illness and you do want to just stay in bed, you don't always, like I am somebody where I can't mentally call in because I don't have boundaries at work. So it's really hard for me to call in, even if I am having that mental health day. I won't do it. I'm just going to keep going. So like I was still working every single day that's wild but as soon as i got home you would totally not crashed yeah, out yeah you would not see me anywhere that's chilling here watching impressive. my tv <laughs> see i can't do that i'm like so like if i'm having a day i 
I can't do anything. Like I have to call in because I, I would be useless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of crap. Um, I think my dad kind of instilled that in me. Like you don't call in unless you are actually sick. Yeah. So every time somebody calls in at work and I know they're not sick, I know what they're doing. It like hurts my feelings almost because I'm like, hmm. it kind of feels like they're they're taking it out on me, even though I know they're not. And I know they're probably having a bad day or, you know, they just wanted to go see their friend or whatever. It just, it feels like a personal thing because I'm like, I'm there. I'm there when I'm sick. I don't go home unless I'm throwing up. You know, it took me, um, it took a lot of courage for me to say I was going home in the middle of a shift uh, when I had coronavirus. I didn't know I was positive, but I had a 99.3 fever which technically for me, because I have a 96 baseline, mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit higher. And um, I was just like, yeah, I really, I don't feel right. And they're like, well, you can make that call if you want to. Yeah. And I'm like, are you going to put it on me? I know I have like two symptoms. Like, I, <laughs> ah. And then I got tested the, that day. And I found out I had coronavirus. I'm like, yeah. well, good thing I like actually listened to my brain for once. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, man. and that's why it's so important to listen to your brain and to listen to your body. Because I mean, like, if you are in tune with that, you know when you're not doing well, which is, I mean, like, I think that's the biggest step with mental yeah. health journeys for people is just simply listening to your body and saying, like, my mind is not right right now. Or like, I'm so exhausted because I'm mentally going through it right now. And it's, we've got to just listen to it. You know, I think that's so, so important. It really is. And if there's people out there that are like me, just remember that there is a point where you need to actually evaluate your situation. And if you need that day, you take that day. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm like messing up is I don't do that. I just keep one day I'll be on the up and up. Maybe tomorrow I'll like have like a 180. I'll be in euphoria somehow. And be kind of cool. You know, like (laughs) that's just kind of how I take my days. So if there's people out there like me, just remember to evaluate and give yourself grace too. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll jump into um, some outpatient stuff. I really oh, want to, uh, okay. <laughs> if you're willing to share, I really want yeah. to have you share some of that experience with our listeners. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, cool. Let's take a quick break and we'll jump back in with that. Okay, so I, if you're comfortable, would love for you to share some of your outpatient experience (laughs) with our listeners, because I don't think that's something we've really touched on in Mm -hmm. my podcast yet. Um, I... uh, 
have had one other guest on who has done some um, rehab outpatient kind of work. Mm -hmm. um, but his was more of alcohol substance abuse than like mental health rehabilitation. Um, and so I'd love to kind of hear your experiences with outpatient. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, I guess my first experience was just in 2019 um, for outpatient. Um, I, I've actually attempted in my life a total of four times now. Mm -hmm. um, pills are my go-to. Um, when I witnessed my um, ex trying to take his own life, um, like I said, I started getting, I started developing PTSD Absolutely. and night terrors, and I had no idea what that even was back then. Mm -hmm. And um, to stop my night terrors, I would consume massive amounts of alcohol, massive. Um, and like, I am grateful that I did not, um, like it didn't take a hold of my life because uh, I can I can back away from it whenever I want now and like I don't need it to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I use it as a sleeping aid. I use it as a coping mechanism for this time period. Um, that was at the beginning of 2019. Okay, fast forward. I moved back home because I physically couldn't sleep anymore. Right. Um, I could like I was having breakdowns every other day at work um, because I, I worked with him and halfway through my shift, I got a phone call from his twin brother from all the way down in Durango mm -hmm. yelling at me, asking me where his brother was and what's going on. Cause apparently he was sending photos to uh, people down there. And um, I rushed home on a 15 minute break, find him um, I use like he used safety scissors, and it was a mess in my bathroom. Oh my god! Um, and he, I brought him to the emergency care because I felt like that was the only way I knew how to deal with it at that time. Because I was again on a fifteen-minute break for work. And, um, and this is where I'm kind of getting at, like, I don't have boundaries for sure. work. Um, so, um, trying to get him in my car was a pain in the half. Um, he was like threatening me with these scissors, which I'm like, can't really do anything with that, but obviously you can cause you were blood everywhere, you know, um, dropped him off at the ER, let his brother know, went right back to work, finished my shift, went home. I am sitting in my bed, which is right next to my bathroom. It's the same setup that I have right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sitting in my bed, terrified to look to my right because I don't know how to deal with it. Um, this is back in the time frame where I didn't have 
um, like bottles of alcohol that I have now. I didn't have like beer on hand all the time because mm-hmm. I was kind of broke. Um, and uh, I call my friend Naomi, where she lives two blocks down, called her, let her know what was happening. She came over and she helped me clean my bathroom. Um, there's no liquor stores that were open because it was 11 o'clock at night. So she brought over, um, I don't even know what it was. I think it was just a beer. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what started it all. And then like move forward. I move home in March because I physically couldn't sleep. Like I was saying, or May, um, uh, take this nice little spiral that I'm going through and maximize that with my best friends because all of them like to go out and drink and party. <clears throat> now I'm saying party in like the fact that it's strictly alcohol. Like <laughs> there's no substance, <laughs> no other substance being used sure, other than alcohol. Sure. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it just got to a point all the way to, I think it was in August, I got my DUI. Um, I don't remember even drinking that much that night. And it was the day before my friend's um, uh, bachelorette party that I had planned. I go out with my friend um, from junior high. Like I still talk to her, I still know her, I still love her. Um, And she went home early. She lives five blocks from that bar that we were at. I was supposed to go with them, but I only had I only had two drinks and I was doing fine. Um, and I knew a few of the people at the bar because it's our hometown, and you know everybody mm-hmm. just has that one bar that everyone from <laughs> your hometown goes to, right? Yeah. Um, so there's like a bunch of people, so I stay, and I think I had one more drink at least in my head. That's what I remember, and I stumble to my car, which is where my friend like apartment is. And I should have went in, but I didn't. My dumbass, drunk ass, <laughs> went in the car. Yeah. And I don't remember any, like, I don't even remember walking to my car, to be honest. The next thing I remember is waking up in jail that next day. Okay. Now, this is me trying to cope with everything that's happening. And I wake up in jail. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is rock bottom. I thought I was at rock bottom before, yeah. but Ooh, this is right. it. Yeah. <clears throat> this is it. And I had no idea what I was even doing. Um, didn't know my car was totaled. Didn't know anything. Um, like what had happened the night before. Um, don't remember taking a breathalyzer. Don't remember mm-hmm. doing any of that. Um, so I'm panicking. My parents are out of town. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> My parents are out of town. They're at our uh, our house up in Wisconsin. And um, so I know that I have some time before my parents get home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I go home. I go on Facebook. So I don't, again, I don't have my car. I don't have uh, my phone. I don't have anything on me. And uh, I get dropped off by the cop that arrested me and 
I messaged my friend on Facebook telling her that I can't go to her bachelorette party because I got a DUI and I don't have a car and I don't know what's going on with my life right now. So I'm just going to have to like say, Take a beat. yeah, like you guys go to the spa that I had planned. I like, I had already, I think I had already paid for it all and all like, so they just went, um, I messaged my friend from that night. Um, no matter what, just remember, I always love you. Closed my laptop, prepped a bunch of pills. Didn't take them yet because I was still drunk. Mm -hmm. Prepped a bunch of pills. So they're like all next to my bed. And then I ended up falling asleep during like after all this. So I'm like, because uh, you could kill yourself whenever, right? Like in my head, this is my thought process. I'm like, I got time. Nobody's coming home. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can do it when I want to do it, but I have it all prepped for when I want to do it. Um, I get woken up to somebody in my um, in my kitchen. Sorry. This is from college, and I still don't know how to turn off the alarm. <laughs> this for a class. That's in the, the middle best. of my height, right? <laughs> awesome. Okay, anyways, um, I, uh, I wake up to somebody in my kitchen yelling, um, Sarah, are you here? I, 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 I don't know. I, you know, like in my head, I'm like, who, who is this? Who is in my house? I didn't call anyone, obviously. And I didn't, uh, let anyone know what was going on. Sure. Don't have my car outside. So how are people like, how do people know if I'm here or not? Um, Maybe it's my mom's friend. I go downstairs. Now, mind you, my parents' house is is pretty small. It's pretty small. I have one, two. I have seven grown men in my kitchen. Okay, three cops, two paramedics, two firefighters. I don't know how many that is. But, like, you know, the whole array of people that you can possibly have. Yeah. I'm like, what's going on? I just got back from the precinct. Like, are you gonna, <laughs> are you taking me? You thought you were being rearrested. Yeah. Oh I'm like, God. what did I do up until that, you know? So, like, that, like, having that, that's another PTSD moment right mm-hmm. there. Like, realizing that, like, Cause my friend went past my, went past my, uh, house, didn't see my car. I wasn't messaging her back. I didn't have my phone, wasn't picking up any of my phone calls. So she was terrified to go into the house to Mm -hmm. see if like, cause that would be a trigger for anybody. Um, so she called a wellness check on me, ended up in the ER for seven hours they did not have like oh my god this is so bad my mom was called so she came down from wisconsin they um they didn't have a bed available in inpatient so um 
you know my personality like i'm lively i like to crack mm-hmm. jokes i'm yeah, totally. kind of stupid about it too the whole entire time i'm in the er i am making horrible horrible jokes oh, about no. my life and like about like killing myself and everything and I, I don't even know what some of them were but i'm like you know this is a lot worse than than killing myself like i probably should have taken those pills and they're just all like looking at me i'm like oh no oh my god my, my brain is so fried from last night like i all of these jokes that i'm making are so bad um, but a lot of them are really funny, like, cause the guy that was on watch for me was watching me and the person next to me. Okay. Um, because like, you know, you have, when you're in the hospital, you have to have somebody from the hospital watch you. Even if you have people in there with you that are friends and family, this person is there for your protection, mm-hmm. there to make sure that you do not, um, try to walk out and and actually attempt again or attempt in general um so he was watching me and the girl next to me and uh i don't even know if anything that we were talking about was appropriate but then my mom started asking about like so do you have like a girlfriend like what's your i'm like oh my gosh mom you're trying to set me up while I just try to kill myself? Are you kidding? Oh Are you? Gosh. This is it? Oh. This is where I find my boyfriend right here, right now? Okay. Okay. And we're like, talk, we're talking about like, like, you know, smoking weed, doing edibles with this guy. Um, I, obviously, I'm not going to throw out a name or anything or a hospital name or any of that. Sure, sure, sure. Because it was like one of the best conversations I've ever had. And like that, that, most tense time of your life like waiting to be put in inpatient yeah even though i found out later that i didn't have to go um because of all of these conversations and like we're laughing the whole time you know my friend brought me lunch like we're just we're it's like a party in my i'm dead serious this is so bad to even say it was like a little mini party (laughs) oh my gosh and um yeah, like the doctor came in. She's like, well, I don't see, like, I don't see a threat at all right now. Um, so you're going to be, like, you could, you're good to go. Uh, your mom's just going to watch you very uh, closely. Tomorrow you have to be registered for inpatient. Mm-hmm. So you have to go to Edwards Hospital or, like, all this other stuff. Um, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, go home. Uh, did I drink again? Yes. Uh, I drank that night. I had a whole bottle of wine to myself. The next day I find out that I can't, like when you're an outpatient, you're not allowed to drink. Right. Through that whole entire time. I was in outpatient for like, I'm going to say a month and a half, maybe two months. And after that, I didn't drink for a while, but, um, yeah, like that the experience when you're in outpatient the first day, like okay, so when you're there, you're you are you stay at home and then you just transport every day. Mm-hmm. Um first you go into uh I think it's PHP where it's a full day. Okay, yeah, PHP. It's a full day, full eight hours that you're there. Um, you're learning different coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. You are learning about how 
um, like things affect you. You're learning about um, other people's hardships. You're constantly in so it's therapy. A, a group setting. Yeah. For the first little bit. Okay. No, for the whole the for whole the, day. For the whole day. Okay. You okay. have one on one sessions one to two times a week with your therapist, okay. and that's it. The whole entire time you are in a group setting. Okay, interesting. You bounce around. So like in the morning, this is what I'm I'm trying to get at is you're there for so long that in the morning you go to like a a group like a a program in the beginning uh you get to choose which room you go into then you go into your group that you are with every day and then you go back to this you get to choose a room there's lunch and like all this other stuff your first day going in there everybody already knows where they're going so it's scary and intimidating <laughs> like it's like like, oh all gosh. of a sudden, everyone's, like, moving. You're, like... And you're, like, I don't know what to do. I'm, like, I just need... I need to find a buddy. Like a buddy system. <laughs> I'm going to grab... I'm going to grab the prettiest female I see, and I'm going to be friends with her. And that's what I did. I On the first day, I, like, see this girl. Um, I think it was, like, her third day. And uh, I'm, like, so, like, where do we go? Like, what are we doing? Like, what... Oh, my gosh. Like, what is this? And they're, like... Well, first off, you, you just, you look on this board and you get to choose a class that is dedicated for that, you know, so like you have a, have a board of like the schedule for the day, mm -hmm. the topics that you talk about throughout the day, and then you have a room number mm -hmm. because um, you get to choose which room unless you're doing the group therapy that's mandatory every day same room same therapist same people um and uh so i just like cling on to her for dear life i'm following her in every single room <laughs> i have no idea what's happening first five minutes of this class sarah S sarah are you in here i'm like yeah like some random person like oh, peeking no. in I'm like oh my gosh what's going on it is like your heart's racing when your name gets called. You're like, oh my gosh, what is this? But it was just to get evaluated for psych, <laughs> like your psych evaluation. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is just a psychiatrist. We're fine. We're fine. We're still going. And then like, you know, you go back into your classroom, you finish out your, uh, the class and then you go into your group. Well, I have no idea who my group instructor is or what room he is. Cause it, there's a bunch of rooms mm -hmm. out there. I'm like, do I just follow this girl to hers? Like, you know, is it like you choose who you get it <laughs> and then you just sit and then that's the, that's the group that you, no, that's not it. I ended up in a different, um, in a different room and, uh, the therapist looks at me he's like, are you in my group? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. No one really explained this to me. And they're like, oh, let's go, let's go walk you over to the nurse's station to figure that one out. I'm like, oh God. Man, I am. I'm 23 years old. I'm being walked over to the station. <laughs> I feel like a child again. Like I felt like I was back in, you know, like junior high or something. Mm -hmm. Like, but when you're going through it, sometimes you feel that way because yeah. you don't have control over what else is going on. Yeah, it's and it's intimidating and it's mm -hmm. scary, and you're just you do feel kind of like you revert to your adolescent mentality. Yeah, absolutely, and, and the whole entire time, and then you know especially during lunch during lunch hour it felt like i was like 
back and like yeah we're like everybody the, had the like their own little where you have your little groups <laughs> oh my god it was so but i'm one of those people where like i just i'd pick everybody mm -hmm. so i had my own posse come to me like at, i'm talking we only had two classes already and i have people coming up to me where are you gonna sit where are you like <laughs> Yeah, damn straight. I'm like popular over here. Yeah. Like the I song Cool Girl by Tovlo <laughs> plays in the background. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's like let's go all eat outside. And so I had I had like 12 people and we were all sitting outside and they're like, yeah, we normally don't do this. Like people normally don't um have groups or anything like everyone eats by themselves because like a lot of these people were there for so many days mm -hmm. and no one ate in a group and i'm like how do you not eat it in a group like how do you not want to have a conversation with the person across from you like how right. did you end up here yeah you know because everybody in there has such powerful stories such, yeah. yeah such amazing stories like there were how I many obviously i'm not going to say any of them uh because that's not my story to tell sure um but just hearing how people are overcoming and like getting to that yeah point i'm sure outpatient inpatient anything like that is so powerful i i've mentioned this on a previous episode but i not that i like want to go <laughs> because like i think it's probably weird to say that you want to go to like an inpatient rehabilitation or an outpatient rehabilitation or whatever but oh, I'm just i do here for the content right i do feel like <laughs> it would be so powerful and it, like eye-opening and i i do feel that like those spaces are so well done mm -hmm. that i mean the results are powerful look at so at so many people who have participated in these programs they come out better they relapse they go back they come out you know stronger whatever mm -hmm. and it, it's just it's i just think it's really powerful and beautiful and so yeah, yeah. i mean i'm like every time i think about because not only did i do that program for the month and a half mm -hmm. but, a but you've few done weeks, a few yep. weeks later right yeah yeah i did months two, later. yeah back to back almost because i got out in october and i went back in november okay and this was in all in 2019. All in yeah. 2019. And then, so when was your most recent trip to outpatient? It was that last that one. That last time. Mm -hmm. And I, so since then you've been like back living in Gunnison, you moved back mm -hmm. here. Um, you're doing better. You haven't gone back in since, but you've been twice. Yep. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I almost had to do it this last, I think, I'm pretty sure it was November when I had um, my little mishap mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um that was yeah because that was right after we met yeah yeah and so yeah. that's because that was what like we connected on because mm -hmm. it was we met in october outside your bust then november you were like mia and then we like reconnected <laughs> afterwards yeah yeah because i was just like oh yeah i was kind of going i uh i ended up having a miscarriage and an abortion because they were twins right and it was like a whole like I went into a hole, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was bad. So I almost rechecked myself in. Yeah. Um, well, but, even I'm sure then it has PTSD and trauma. So yeah. see, I mean, you have, I can't put this into your, 
you know, I can't assume and put my <laughs> assumptions out there onto you, but like both of those things, it, uh, both a miscarriage and an abortion, I'm yeah, sure that carries, that. yeah, that carries trauma. And I'm sure there's PTSD associated with that, you know, yeah. and that weighs on you heavily, I'm sure, you know, like. But then it also, like thinking about it and thinking like, oh, I was going to check myself in, like that has like, it's kind of like, um, kind of speaks volumes to how well outpatient it like mm -hmm. is and like how much it does for you. So like that, like I'm an advocate for outpatient yeah. for sure. Yeah. You've not done inpatient though, yeah? No, I okay. have not. The Hank, the Lord, I have heard horror stories really impatient and I am not, I don't personally want to ever experience that. Sure. Um, and I'm very grateful that the day that I did have this start snowballing, mm -hmm. that that was the day that their beds were full. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, uh, that's really hard to go through. And mm -hmm. like that, experience and i just had one like one of my friends from outpatient having to go back in um and she was an inpatient for two and a half months yeah and like the first time i talked to her when she got out because i didn't talk like when i moved i kind of didn't exile myself but like i stopped talking to a lot of people mm -hmm. And then you're just trying to start fresh though. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like trying to find her on Instagram, like a few months, like a month after she went in and I'm like, Oh my God, did something happen? She's very religious about posting almost every day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, what happened? Like, where is she? I'm freaking out. Message her boyfriend on socials. He doesn't do socials. So he wasn't checking yeah. message, uh, her parents, um, on socials and apparently they don't check their socials so i'm like like what's going on and then all of a sudden i get a message hey bitch how's it going i'm like where were you she's like oh, i just did another stint in patient don't worry about it i'm like oh, oh my god. god she's like you know this hospital i went to was so much better than the one before like no. there wasn't random people with like different disabilities in the same wing as me because that's what it is there's a lot of people that have certain disabilities and they get kind of lumped in the same area as people with a lesser disability or like aren't there for like higher medications and mm. things like that so it's a lot different they're all just kind of lumped into one area yeah i don't know much about inpatient it's something that i've like looked a little bit into but not like a ton so i don't know how yeah, it's it's an interesting world for sure. Wow. Um, so I'm glad I never had it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's like a lot. And I'm so, again, just thank you so much for being vulnerable and for sharing your story. And again, that's yeah. something that I just so love and cherish about you is because you both just like open up so freely. Yeah, um, just like you know. Exactly. Entertainment. Um, <laughs> put us on reality TV. Um, so I want to transition here. We're about out of time. Um, and so I want to transition and... Um, kind of wrap things up here by asking this question that I always ask mm -hmm. um, my guests. And that is, 
what SISU means to you. And so for those of you that are, if you're just tuning in for the first time, SISU is the Finnish word that translates loosely to English um, as guts, determination, resilience, grit, all of those kind of like all-encompassing themes and concepts. Um, so if you were to answer the question, what does SISU mean to you as it relates to your mental health journey today, how would you respond? Um, I guess it'd be SISU means to me, I guess it'd be just to like embrace my independence and being single on my own um, because it it's kind of like a mental hardship for me to be single and to you know to make sure that I am on my own journey and mm-hmm. on my own mental health and like can constantly look at myself and like reevaluate my thoughts and not somebody else. So that's what I'm continuously working on is like being here for myself, being present for myself Mm -hmm. and making sure that I am, you know, healthy, alive, well. I love that. Independence (laughs) and taking care of yourself, determined to Mm -hmm. do that. Okay, great. In the last minute here, um, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? If if they have questions or similar stories or they resonate in some way, can people find you on social or are you working on anything right now? Where can people connect? Um, I am on my socials, uh, Instagram, uh, nature crazy. And then I'm also working on my Polaroid, uh, Polaroid only Instagram right now. I know. Great. Well, I will put those in the show notes, but, um, thank you so much for being on with me today, Sarah. No problem. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to connect with me, you can email me at itsallinmyhead.show at gmail.com, add me on Instagram at itsallinmyhead.show, or connect with me on Twitter at allinmyheadshow.